Welcome back to Other People's Lives. Welcome back, and uh, today we're talking about sex. It's true. We finally got to the sex episode in this uh, season. You thought there wasn't going to be one. You're wrong. We also have no idea when this is coming That's true. out. This so. could be, the, this could be <laughs> like the third episode. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we were talking about how we hadn't really had many sex episodes yet because we do record ahead of time. Right. And uh, we know how much you guys like hearing about sex. You, you make that very known every time we put out a sex episode. Yeah. So here we go. But this isn't necessarily a fun sex episode. This might be a dark sex episode. I mean, it's sex nonetheless, but, you know. You're right. It's not, I mean, it's not dark sex, like some, like, dark magic sex. It could involve that because apparently this guest, uh, we're speaking to a sex addict, obviously. A real sex addict, not just some dudes like, dude, I love fucking. It's yeah. like, nah, man, this dude needs Did you ever sex. think... Like, were you ever that guy that thought you were a sex addict never. at one point? No, okay, never. Good. I never felt like, oh, my God, man. Because, like, I don't know. I guess I knew some people that had addiction problems. And I'm like, well, I know I'm not like that, you know, like start selling my mother's jewelry to have sex with hookers or something, you know? Like, that. maybe then you got a, an issue. Yeah. If you just love boobies because you're, like, 13, like, that's cool. Yeah, but I knew so <laughs> many people growing up that were like that. Who thought they were sex addicts? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you get on a hot streak and you're like, I can't live without this man. <laughs> I think I need an intervention. It's like, no, no. Did you think that? No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. No, God, no. I never <laughs> got there either. Um, no, yeah, definitely not. I, th- I think, like you said, I think I, uh, knowing some addicts or hearing stories, I was definitely able to separate the two. Right. Yeah. yeah this yeah. isn't like a fun, pleasure-filled you know frolic through a field all the time yeah no this is this is like i i it is getting in the way of my life and the way that i want to live because i physically cannot control my urges like that sounds horrifying yeah like imagine trying to get stuff done how can you get stuff done just constantly thinking about it yeah like how can you even how can you even work at that point you know yeah i mean it really starts affecting everything i'm sure yeah, and I think that's the way you can kind of separate it because I think everyone has gone through the thing was like, am I addicted to porn? Mm-hmm. Because it's like you watch porn and you know, it's like whatever, but when you like the the reason, like when you can't go a day without watching it, or like you're at work and you're like, I need to go to the bathroom just so I could just like watch like two minutes and just like that is when it starts to become while you're entering addiction territory and this for sex i mean this is even harder than that because no pun intended but uh because you have to not only find a willing participant but it's a whole act yeah it's and like like, this would get really in the way of your life like you could sneak off to the bathroom and watch some porn like i still don't recommend that but you could do that mm -hmm. but you can't like sneak away and like set up this whole thing and have sex and then you know what i'm saying Anything that involves another person, like there's some logistics it's there. Whole thing. There's some serious planning. So that that's definitely tough. I did know a friend, you just reminded me, who I think may have been addicted to masturbating. And he would do it like at work, in school, like in libraries. I don't know. I'm pretty disturbed right now. This is just yeah. all coming back to me. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do. Yeah. with anything but no, it wow. has not, yeah um no but it, it's one of it, it, it the, the point the reason why i brought that up uh with the porn and the masturbating or whatever is that uh you know it gets in the way of your life but something like this can take a huge chunk of time mm-hmm. you know sometimes like a half an hour is much different than two minutes and if you're at work and you have these urges or if you're in, at a wedding or a funeral or like anywhere that you need to be you're in a meeting and you just can't focus because you have this thing and then you have to go do that and that could really take over your life. And especially if, I don't know the degree of the addiction here, but you know, I'm sure that there's very severe cases where it's just like, it just takes complete control. Yeah. And I mean, like, like anything, just taking something that, you know, could be positive in moderation. And then just that being the cause of, you know, kind of a downward spiral. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's gotta be tough. So yeah, this guy, you know, he sent us an email, uh, he really, really seems like an open book um, from what he wrote to us, so we won't spoil any of it. But, you know, it seems like uh, he's down to answer all our questions and kind of, you know, give us the story. 
Before we get to our call, let's get to our first sponsor. You ever buy something online and then you find out you've, you could have gotten it for less? It's worse than like getting socks for the eighth year in a row on Christmas from your Aunt Diane. That's a real story, by the way. Mine too. We all have Aunt Ar- Diane. We all, we all have Aunt <laughs> Diane. Um, luckily, uh, now there's Honey, which is a free browser extension that saves you time and money when shopping online. Uh, it scans the internet for coupon codes and other discounts. Uh, and then like magic, it automatically applies with one of the biggest savings to your um, cart at checkout. Uh, so without even knowing, it's saving you money. Okay, so it's, it's you know, and, and it's, it could be for anything. There's 20,000 sites like Amazon, Macy's, J.Crew, uh, Domino's, Sephora, Target, and there's tons more. Um, all you have to do is shop like normal, and Honey finds you savings, and believe me, it feels amazing. As yeah. amazing as, like, a fresh, bra- the first bite of a brownie. Oh, wow. Right out of the oven. You know, like a hot brownie? Okay. I just had a brownie. It's very specific. I had a brownie the other day, so that's that's why why. it's fresh in my mind. Well, I actually used Honey the other day. Uh, Needed some new running sneakers, so I went to Nike.com, found a nice pair of Air Max 270s. I was like, all right, these are the ones. Click checkout. Honey, which is already attached to the browser, did its thing. Within seconds, it uh, gave me a code for 15% off that order. So literally doing nothing, just clicking checkout. Honey gave me a promo code and I got $22.50 off the retail price of $150 sneakers. So like that's just, it's giving you free money back. It's it's insane. And Honey has uh, over 10 million users that have gotten over a billion dollars in savings. So it, it really just makes sense to use Honey. Uh, there's really no reason not to use it. It's free to use. It installs on your computer in just two clicks. So you can get it for free at joinhoney.com OPL. That's joinhoney.com OPL. Hello? Hey, how's it going, man? You got Greg and Joe. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Thanks good. for taking the time today. No problem. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to start off. I mean, first question, uh, you know, I think that when it comes to sex, it's generally something everyone kind of enjoys in moderation. So I'm kind of curious, you know, when you started to realize that, oh, shit, I might be addicted to this. Well, I actually didn't notice until like after the majority of the addiction had already passed. Um, I want to say like for the past 10 years or so. I've probably been sleeping with the majority of the people that I have been. And uh, right up until about a year and a half ago, um, when I had uh, a really bad depressive state that led to an attempted suicide, did I realize that I actually had a problem and that the problem was uh, coming from a sex addiction paired with like deep depression. Oh, well, that's definitely uh, even heavier than... I think we thought out yeah, of the gate. Is, um, no, yep. <laughs> a hot start. <laughs> that is a hot start for sure. But um, yeah, well, wow. So it's it's something that you really, like you, what you're basically saying that you think it was the sex addition that kind of put you in that depressive state? No, actually the depression was feeding the sex addiction. Okay. Uh, like what it came down to is that uh, I was just so numb and... Uh, just nonplussed with everything around me that I kept turning to sex to uh, get that validation that would like give me that temporary release of endorphins, uh, get to the next orgasm, which is essentially just a high Mm -hmm. and, you know, just keep chasing the dragon, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, I know it's, it's almost harder to wrap your head around because you know, we've, we've had conversations like this around, you know, things like drugs, for instance, where, you know, I know for like me personally, say like heroin, like I've never done heroin. I don't understand that feeling, but it's like sex being something, you know, accessible, something most of us take part in. It's, you know, hard to imagine starting to rely on that, you know, so much, um, where it really becomes kind of like a full fledged, you know, addiction. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's sex and there's also the other part of like uh, love and affection because you can get addicted to that too. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's actually um, 
it's kind of like an Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's uh, Sex and Love Addictions Anonymous, SLAA. I've never heard of that. And uh, I mean, it's the same 12-step program. You go there, you meet in a group and stuff like that. Um, I haven't gone, but I have a couple of friends who have gone. And uh, But the love is just as addictive as the sex is. Because, like, I don't know, you have to understand the way that depression is really. I like to relate it to, like, taking a walk in the forest and you definitely know the path that you took to get into the forest, but then while you're in the forest, there's like this heavy fog that comes in. And when you turn around, you don't see the path anymore. And you're looking around and all you can see are the trees in your immediate area. You can't even see uh, that far ahead of you. So you can't make out any landmarks. You're just walking around. And the longer that you're in there, you're just getting hungrier and thirstier and colder and it's it's getting darker and darker and you're just getting more and more lost and there's a voice the entire time telling you that like like you've already walked so far you can take a break it's fine you can just take a break slow down you you've you've earned it but if you slow down you stop then you're going to freeze to death and uh so that while you're like getting so cold you're just getting numb to everything in the world like uh <clears throat> playing video games didn't help seeing my family didn't help i was uh married and like nothing that i would talk to with my wife helped uh and every now and then you'd hear those voices like telling you to that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, all you got to do is get to the end of the tunnel but you know i'm lost in the woods i don't see no fucking tunnel <laughs> yeah so i like, mean i i i appreciate you like trying to like you know put some imagery to that because it's you know not everyone can understand what depression is like because not everyone goes through that so i appreciate that but you know at, at what point you know because you, you said you had to look back on um you know your your addiction and that's when you started to realize so when you look back on uh you know that time in your life what did, what did you exactly see like which you know habits did you have that were sort of damaging so the the biggest thing was that it was a compulsion like i wasn't even putting any thought into hooking up with these people or anything like that i would just uh i would be you know depressed i'd be numb and i would know that i need to like line up the next few days with different people to meet and have sex with uh so that you know i can make it through the weekend or something like that it's like a full-time job almost it really was. And so I was in uh, an open marriage and uh, that kind of facilitated. So like I've never cheated on a partner, but for the past 10 years, I've slept with over a thousand different people because uh, while we were together, we were swinging with other couples. We were meeting people by ourselves. And so like some weeks I would meet up with three, four different people. Other weeks it would be more or less. Sometimes there would just be like, group sex and stuff like that so like the sheer number of people was just rising and rising and rising and after every single encounter that i had um it would just leave me unfulfilled like it's not like when you uh i don't know it's not like having sex with a, just a normal person like a normal sexual encounter it's just afterwards i was like i've got nothing from that and now i need to look for the next person because that person didn't give me what I needed. So I got to try to find it in someone else. So I'm assuming no one really gives you like, are you, you're, you're essentially just chasing something that's not there. It's, it's like yeah. a weird paradox because you, you, you're left unfulfilled, but at the same time, you're still chasing the thing you just did. So it's like, it's weird. Like, I guess it almost fulfills you in a sense, but it's, but at least yeah. you're unfulfilled. Because you know how, like, when you start talking to a new person, you get the the the, like, the butterflies, the excitement of mm -hmm. like talking and dating again and stuff like that. So, you, you, I get that, and then also there's the actual sex, and that leads to orgasm, and I feel that and stuff too. So the actual meeting a new person, getting that like nervous feeling. And then also the sex itself mm -hmm. while I was so depressed, those are really the only two things that I felt. Those are the only things that like made me feel anything other than just numb. So did you, 
so I, I understand what you're saying, sort of like the chase of being able to, uh, you know, have sex with somebody. Did your feelings towards a person change after you had sex? Like, did you enjoy, you know, getting to know a new person and then having sex with them? And then after that, it kind of wasn't the same. Or did you continuously have sex with these people? Um, I mean, it was different for everybody. Um, most of the people I would end up sleeping with them and then never seeing them again. But then every now and then there was like a couple of people that, you know, were reoccurring or uh, like my wife and I had a girlfriend, both of us had a girlfriend and we saw her like a couple of times a week. Uh, we would go to like the same couples that we hang out with and we'd hook up with them, you know, once a month or something like that. Also, let's not brush over the uh, of 1,000 different people. I think Joe's eyes almost popped out of his head when he said that <laughs> number. Um, but wow, that was, that was going to be one of my questions. And that is, uh, that's a high number for sure. That's a ton of people. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of people. Uh, it's men, women, transgender people, non-binary people, uh, people, just everybody. At, at, like at a certain point, I just stopped caring even like what they looked like and that's where i started realizing that it was definitely a sexual addiction because i was meeting up with people that i didn't find remotely attractive mm. i was meeting up with people who were into stuff that i wasn't into at all and i was put in these really bad situations really awkward situations and like i just put my head down and got through it and then i was like well that's not what i wanted so let me go do the same fucking thing again yeah, which I could see, I could almost feel the spiral, you know, when you put it that way of just the search, just kind of, you know, putting your preferences and attraction aside, kind of taking whatever you can get. And then I'm sure just feeling, you know, even more unfulfilled at that point when it's, oh, I didn't even, this isn't even what I wanted in the first place, but now I did it. Now I have to go do it again to try to keep chasing that thing that I want. Right, it's just, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it feels like a, you know, just kind of a spiral that you can't control. And then outside of the, like, unsatisfaction, there was also just a wave of just shame and guilt whenever I would do something like that, too. How many how many days would go by? Like, what was the longest you went during this period without having sex? I mean, you know, some years were more exciting than other years. But, uh, like... In my slowest time, I was probably like in a committed relationship and we we're monogamous. So we would have sex like a couple times a week or something like that. But in my, like where I started really racking up the numbers, I was probably having sex uh, like three, four times a week. Hmm. And then beyond that too, like there was like, you know, I was just chasing orgasms. So. I would have sex with like one person or two people on that day. And then I would still be like jerking off like six or seven times that day. Whoa. So the, to, yeah. To the point like where it was physically hurting me. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> yo, what? <Yeah>. like we, <laughs> no, I think we've it, all been there. Like you're sick and you like jerk off not, like four times and you're like, dude, fun. that fourth one, not fun. <laughs> <laughs> like this, it was not enjoyable. <laughs> so like how many times would you be orgasming a day at that point? Um, the most I've ever done was around 15. Whoa. I feel and... like I would lose weight. Wow. I don't even know <laughs> if I'd then... have that much sperm yeah. in my body. I mean, it's all hydration at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Um, I, I, I do want to go back to something you mentioned before about, you know, just kind of not even having a preference at some point. So you actually mentioned in the email that you're pansexual. Can you uh, just describe what that means for everyone listening? So pansexual is uh, similar to bisexual, uh, but it also includes trans and non-binary uh, non people as well. Because some bisexual people, they aren't attracted to trans folk or anything like that but pansexual is just kind of like all-encompassing meaning that you would that you're essentially attracted to or there's there's no limitations to who you're yeah. attracted to mm -hmm. yeah gender just doesn't really play a role to who i'm attracted to if i'm attracted to you i'm attracted to you but mm -hmm. uh i tend to lean more towards uh feminine presenting people or feminine energies so 
Uh, like even when I'm hooking up with guys, I tend to lean towards more feminine guys. Got it. Is there any, um, you know, you kind of rattled off a lot of things. Um, I know we see pulled out the email too. You kind of mentioned everything from trans to little people to very heavy people, like any particular instances where, um, I don't know, like you kind of like someone you had sex with that it really maybe hit you at that point. Like, okay, this is an addiction. Like this is not, you know, something that I really want to do or something that I, maybe it made you feel more shame or guilt in that moment. Yeah, there was one instance. I used to travel for work. Um, I'm an engineer, and uh, I was all over the U.S., Canada, South America a little bit. And so I would, you know, Tinder and just meet people on the fly in every single city I went into. But uh, I was in Texas for work uh, one week, and I met up with this woman who uh, was quite heavy and also much older than me. And... uh, I was like, whatever, I'm just going to get this done for the day. That way I can go to the hotel and <laughs> relax. And uh, I get to her place, and it looks like she's living in, like, a condemned building. And oh boy. she, she like, answers the door in, like, this red lingerie uh, that is several sizes too big for her. And the whole house just doesn't even smell good. It's not clean. And uh, her makeup was done up kind of like... Uh, like Mimi and the Drew Carey show. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, what so, a what a reference! Yeah, by the way. Wow. and I amazing. picture it perfectly too. Yeah, I know. because I don't have aphantasia. <laughs> I can picture it. There you go. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so I go in there, and uh, you know we start messing around and stuff, and just like in the middle of having sex, no warning whatsoever, she like starts calling me like her sweet baby boy. And then telling me that, like, uh, it's okay, she's going to pull me out of school, and that she wants to have her her son's baby. And, th- like, in that moment, I was just like, this is the worst moment of my life. <laughs> this is it. This is my rock bottom. Man, I mean, I mean, I will say kudos to her for just throwing that out there and not even, like, giving any, like, warning that she's like, I'm about to say something. Yeah. She just throws that out. I mean, hey, it's she was probably using you the same way you were using her. It it's sounds like, like you're it, just Yeah, I mean, you know, people do a lot what of you weird need. stuff when they're like in the in the moment. Like one time I got stabbed. What? Wait, what? That's not the first story you told. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got stabbed? Yeah, I was uh I was meeting up with this girl in like her mid 20s and she was into rough sex and uh, I told her, like, I didn't have a problem with that. That's fine. I've done a lot of stuff in the BDSM community. And so it was just the normal stuff, like paddles, rope, floggers, spanking, spitting in her mouth, you know, that stuff. The, the normal stuff. Yeah, the, and, the regular uh, Friday night, we know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, uh, in the middle of sex, she pulls out a knife and she says that she wants me to cut her. And I was totally not comfortable with that because I'm not comfortable with blood during sex. And uh, I was like, no, I, I'm good. <laughs> no, no, thank you. And she got really upset with me because I was, quote, killing the mood and that I wasn't doing what she was asking me to do. And I was like, no, I'm not comfortable with this. In fact, I think I'm going to get going. And she said, and I quote, I'll never forget this. She said, don't be such a pussy, you stupid faggot. Get over here and hurt me. What a confusing sentence that is. I, 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 I will say, I would have been like, I, I, my, I feel like my brain would have melted. I'd be like, yo, I really don't even know what you just said. I can't, I can't like process that. Yeah. So and it's like, like a Mad Libs or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I turn around to leave, and like she went to go like grab me, but she still had the knife in her hand, and she ended up stabbing me in the back. Wow, dude. Yeah. I guess I could see how. Like, we obviously, talk, talking about sex addiction here, how to even find yourself in situations like that, uh, you you probably have to be out having a lot of sex. Yeah. And, and kind yeah. of be willing to, you know, go that far with someone rather quickly. Were you, were you ever, like, uh, afraid of contracting STDs or anything? I, so... That's another thing is I was doing all of this with just fucking reckless abandon, just 
nothing all over the town. But <laughs> uh, luckily, I never got an STD, and I don't know how because I definitely wasn't safe every single time. I think you just awful. like built up a crazy immunity, probably. <laughs> Your body's like, all right, we got. <laughs> Basically uh, fucked your way into a vaccine, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, my God. My blood now. <laughs> yeah. Scientists can use your cum to... Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you so you didn't use protection every single time. You, you well, how, What percentage would you say out of, like, a thousand people? Um, I probably use protection, like, 40, 45% of the time. Wow, okay. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of raw dog. Were there. you getting tested actively? So that yeah. like you every, uh, okay. like every, every every three months because you know when I'm not like in the situation I could actually think clearly mm -hmm. and afterwards I was like oh that was fucking crazy I should probably go get tested right is and, it oh sorry go ahead I was gonna say and you know never came up with positive tests never had any like pregnancy scares thank God wow Jeez. wow. I mean, um, practice makes perfect, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so you mentioned before you're an engineer, you traveled a lot. Would you say that, that you know, sex addiction makes that more difficult or does having a job like that and traveling make sex addiction easier? Oh, it definitely makes it easier. Because you're like, you're going to all these different places and... Uh, the men and the women, they know what they're getting into. Like right. my Tinder profile said, I'm from New like I'm from X and, uh, so I'm only here for the night right, and I would right. still get matches. Yeah. Like, would you, you know, me and Joe have been, we've been out of the game for a little while. So <laughs> like, is it easy to just go out and find sex if, if, if you really want it and you're willing to kind of settle for, you know, maybe not your first choice. Like, is is it easy, you would say? I mean, that all depends. Like, I'm a pretty average-looking dude. I'm not great-looking, but I'm not hideous, I guess. And, like, a lot of the times when I'm meeting all of these people, uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I present them with just straight-up respect, first off, and just I'm really nice and polite to them. And, like, that alone is enough to, to set me apart from most of the men that they'll meet on dating apps right yeah so like that's one thing but it, it depends like if you're using a bunch of different apps it really is just like a money ball yeah I, I can see how like dating apps are just now like I mean this is the biggest cheat code in the history of in it's probably way. the easiest yeah. to hook up with people now with all the it apps it really is you know because otherwise you would have to go out into a bar and hope you meet someone and yeah, like uh, I, I, I was using Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Plenty of Fish, OkCupid, all like at once, as well as like talking to people on Kick, and there's actually a BDSM like web community website. I don't know if anybody's ever brought that up. No, I didn't mm. know that. Yeah, it's called FetLife.com, like FetishLife.com, mm. and <clears throat> you know you can make a. It's basically just face, uh, fake, fake. Facebook for kinky people. And uh, yeah, you make a profile, you upload pictures and stuff like that. And then they've got groups based on location. So you can uh, like browse uh, profiles and talk to people and stuff. And then it's like a message board too. Um, it, yeah. It's really good for people who are just getting into BDSM who want to like learn ab about Shibari or stuff like that the fuck is shibari that's uh like rope tying yes i thought so we learned that before yeah. oh did we yeah, yeah oh we did we did yeah <laughs> rope oh my god <laughs> that was a long time ago. that was that's why i was like that sounds yeah, it sounded familiar, so familiar but i was like wait <laughs> yeah yes okay um but yeah so like that's kind of complicated that's like something you need a master's degree to do. Yeah. Also, the fact we <laughs> named an episode Rope Whore. I it feel was, like no, we do it that was called now? BDSM Lessons from a Rope Whore. Yeah, was that was a title. <laughs> aggressive in our Yeah, we really got after days. it in the beginning stages. <laughs> uh, hey, it works. People paid yeah, attention. High, high risk, high reward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned before you were in an open marriage, but like at, at the peak of kind of this addiction, I mean, even with an open marriage, were you able to sustain that and like sustain that relationship with your wife? No, not at all. That actually went downhill from there, but kind of in a good way. 
What, uh, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> what? You're the most positive person ever. Yeah, I try to be. Um, silver linings, right? <laughs> um, no, we were... So when we first met, uh, we were originally just going to be friends with benefits because, you know, sex addict. And... <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we were just going to be friends with benefits. And then we were both in pretty bad living situations. And so we are, we decided to move in together and we're like, hey, if this doesn't work, we'll just be dope-ass roommates who play video games together. And uh, one thing led to another and we ended up just being in a relationship and then being swingers and heavily involved in the BDSM community. And uh, uh, at one point we were just like, hey, you need health care, right? Let's get married. Hmm. And then we did that. And uh, so while we were together, it was just very open communication between the two of us. But we both were battling depression at the same time. And so that just created a divide that made us drift apart. And what that did was that we started to grow in just different directions in life, really. Okay. So like I was meeting all of these people. She was also meeting people too. And then we were still meeting people together. But at a certain point, um, like we just started wanting different things mm -hmm. and it just came to like a mutual decision that it was best if we, uh, ended the marriage and saw other people because if we stayed together, we would end up resenting one another. And so we like parted as friends so at what point, you know, you said at one point you were able to look back and kind of realize, okay, that was an addiction. So uh, were you able to pull yourself out of that? And how, what was that process like that you started to, you know, battle this addiction? Well, uh, last, not this past winter, but the one before that, uh, there was a moment where I was, I just had zero energy at all i i couldn't feel anything i was completely numb to everything in the world i hated my job hated where i was living marriage falling apart and you know i was meeting with all these people that i didn't want to meet with but i just had a compulsion a need to meet with these people and uh one day on the way home from work there it was like during a blizzard and I was just thinking to myself how I was just so tired. I just didn't even want to just be here right now. I didn't want to exist right now. So I just closed my eyes and let go of the wheel and then leaned back. And I was the only car on the road and I was just going to, you know, let fate take its course. And, uh, the car sp spun out, um, on the snow. And as like, I felt my center of gravity push back into the chair, uh, like my eyes shot open and I was hit with that adrenaline and immediately just like did corrective action on the car and straightened it out. And um, that was like the moment that I cleared the fog. I was in the middle of the woods. I was listening to the voice. I was about to go to sleep and just let it be done with. And then all of a sudden I got hit with the adrenaline and the fog was completely gone and I was able to see everything super clear again. And so I got myself home, I sat down, and I just started writing. And the first thing that I wrote was, um, actually, I think I have it saved on my computer. Um, so the first thing that I wrote was that uh, I tried to kill myself. Uh, I, like, I wrote the date and stuff like that, and then I just started like word vomiting onto the page. And like two sentences in, I was just like, all of this is my fault. Everything that's gone bad has been a direct action of mine, and it's all because I'm a sex addict. And that was the first time that I had ever put that into a, a sentence. Before then, I had never thought that like sex and addiction went together because like I grew up in a pretty low income family and like I've seen addiction all throughout my life like uh friends of families and even some family members have been addicted to meth uh, coke uh heroin stuff like that and like anytime that I have thought that I had a problem I looked at them and then I looked at myself and I was like well I'm not that right so I bet the would and there's the, there must be nothing wrong and like even in media sexual addiction like shopping addiction eating addiction it's all looked at as a joke 
So even if you were to think that you had it, God forbid you brought it up to someone, they would laugh it off and be like, oh, yeah, everybody loves sex. That's not an addiction. It's You're almost a man. glorified in a way when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it really mm. is. And especially being a dude, it's glorified. Right. And so I, I had never before thought that, like, sex addiction could have been like what was going on. I thought that I had a problem, but I wasn't sure what. And then as soon as I wrote it down, it just became super clear. And I just became very present in the moment and was able to put myself on the right course. Um, Like within the next couple of weeks, I enrolled myself in therapy. I started going to the gym again. Um, I just did everything that I could to work on my depression as well as try to understand what led to my decisions. So did you eventually, like at this point in your life, have you scaled back the amount of like sexual partners that you're, that you have? Uh, yeah, definitely. Would you say um, you're over the addiction or working on it? I mean, I don't, it's still kind of new. You guys are actually the first people that I've ever told besides my therapist. Holy <laughs> fuck. Wow. Well, we appreciate yeah. that. And I do want to say just from everything you just said, I mean, we're, we're glad that you are okay and here to, you know, speak to us today. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think this is going to help a lot of people too, man. The way that, I mean, the way that you are able to talk about it and just like, I was going to say, this guy's a good storyteller. Well, it makes sense that (laughs) it makes sense that you would kind of start writing when that fog cleared, you know, and I don't know if that's something you still do, but I think you definitely have a, you know, unique voice and way of, you know, kind of making this clear to people who wouldn't necessarily understand it, Um, you know, and, and just able to kind of, you know, talk about the humor in the situation too is, you know, not easy. So I think, you know, we, we really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I mean, I've been writing since I was like eight. So writing has always been kind of my own personal therapy. And uh, I was actually considering turning all of this into like a fictionalized story based on the events and maybe like writing a book. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, definitely, <laughs> that stabbing is going to get a chapter. It, I was going to say, if it's anything like this conversation. I uh, mean, I've got yeah. a bunch of other crazy <laughs> sex Dude, stories, too. I can, too, I can only imagine. I would I would buy the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you feel like now you're you're in a much better place? You feel good about where you're at? Yes. Like, this is the first time in my life that I've actually addressed my depression um, and by doing so it's addressing all of the other issues that came with that Mm. um so like now i like i can see the warning signs from when i'm slipping back into depression and stuff like that and a lot of that has to do with how sediment my life is like if i'm not constantly working out or if you know everything just gets too routine everything just starts to get a little bit more numb again Mm -hmm. and like I can catch myself because I'll start looking through like the contacts on my phone being like, uh, I wonder which one of my friends with benefits are free this weekend. Who can I hang out with on Friday and Saturday? And then who can I see on Sunday? And then like, while I'm making all of these plans, I'm like, wait a minute, I should probably not do this. <laughs> probably not the best thing for me. And, uh, really the, the major difference is, uh, like, I mean, it's not like I'm going to stop having sex. That's right. It's ridiculous. So, like, there's no real cure for sexual addiction. It just has to be a lot of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So anytime that my actions are compulsory and I'm not thinking about them, that's when I know that I need to take a step back and reevaluate. But if I'm meeting up with people in, like, a conscious uh, decision and I am, uh, like deciding to become intimate with them then that's a completely different thing and then even afterwards i actually feel satisfaction from the encounter wow that's amazing that's that's such a big uh big change and you know i it literally just hit me that i mean you're dealing with an addiction that in a way like like i said in moderation it's a great thing and it's mm-hmm. good for, you know, this is how you make children or that's, you know, how you keep your partner satisfied. There's that whole connection, blah, blah, blah. So it's yeah. like you're in a way you, you not have to, but you know, it's sort of encouraged to indulge in this addiction. 
just not in an addictive manner. And I can only imagine how hard that is because that's like telling a heroin addict, like, yeah, you know, like twice a week, just have a little bit. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, dude, I can't. Except you know? we're wired to do this. Our bodies tell us to have sex, to reproduce. Right. Yeah. Like you're fighting against nature. I, that I mean, just hit me. Like that's, yeah, that's it, it's That's definitely one of the biggest struggles. But like, honestly... You know, if I get myself into a relationship and I'm just with the one person, it's not going to be an issue because, you know, if I have a bunch of sex with them, it's with somebody that I love. It's not just random old lady in Texas who's going to make me have serious issues later. I'm not like I'm not I'm not in Winnipeg giving Tony the Tiger a blowjob. Like, yeah. Is that a real story? Yeah. A man dressed as Tony the Tiger. Yeah. Or the original voice actor of Tony the Tiger. <laughs> yeah, like, which one, which one, one was Shit, it? maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I met up with this guy in Winnipeg, and, like, he wasn't necessarily a furry, but he liked to wear costumes, like, okay. like the, uh, the anonymity of them. And so I go to this guy's hotel, and he's in, like, a full Tony the Tiger costume. Wow. And like something you'd see at a kid's birthday party or like a mascot at a basketball game, except <laughs> right. his dick was hanging out. <laughs> and uh, it was probably the weirdest thing I was ever going to do in my life, but at least I wasn't getting stabbed again. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's an upgrade. Uh, so yeah, I did that. And to this day, still can't eat Frosted Flakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm re- refraining from all my, that must have been, you know, great <laughs> jokes. Oh, I mean, my it was God. all right. <laughs> it was okay wow uh wow man we we really appreciate um you know you sharing this journey obviously uh, it can't be easy uh and really appreciate what you said before that we're kind of the first people you've really talked to yeah, about that's this. Awesome. I, whenever we hear that it, it just blows our minds um so you know we we appreciate you you know just trusting us with that information um you know and and this type of conversation so really appreciate it and you know really happy to hear that you're in a much better place now thank you i appreciate it and thanks for having me on of course man thank you so much have a good night um i did want to if i could throw a plug out there oh for sure um the the national suicide prevention hotline number is 1-800-273-8255 I just wanted to say anybody out there who's struggling with, even if you don't think it's sex addiction, but like you're doing things that you wouldn't normally do and like you're not happy with the way, like the decisions that you're making, go and see a therapist. It's like if you fucked up your back, you would go and see a physical therapist. If you should be going to a normal therapist, I mean, just to check in on yourself and if you think that you need help, don't be afraid to ask for help. Nobody will judge you. There's 12-step programs out there. There's online resources. There's online communities. There's everything that you th- can possibly think of that will support you in all of the hardest times in your life. Wow, man. Thank thank you for adding that. No problem. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right. Have a good night. See you. Before we get to our final thoughts, we have a couple more sponsors. So our next sponsor is Audible. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. Um, you can listen to these books at the gym while shopping, in the car, traveling. Anytime you can't read, you can listen with Audible. Um, and Audible members can easily exchange any title they don't love at any time. Uh, members keep their library of listens forever, even if they cancel. Um, but yeah, you could start a 30-day trial and choose one audiobook plus two Audible Originals, absolutely free. Yeah, and I've been running through this uh, since Audible became a sponsor. Latest one, um, listening to uh, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace, amazing guy. Uh, I had read this book in the past, and I loved it so much that I just wanted to listen to it throughout my day. Um, And it kind of gives you like a whole other experience. So really cool, Uh, highly recommend it. And you can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. You can choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Uh, all you have to do is visit audible.com OPL or text OPL to 500-500. Visit audible.com OPL or text OPL to 500-500. 
Did you guys know there's a company out there making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles and they're crazy comfortable and fully machine washable? Um, seriously, it, it'll blow your mind that Rothy's is making these shoes from repurposed plastic water bottles. I didn't even know that was possible. I know. And it's amazing. I mean, the sustainability, um, they've turned over 35 million water bottles from landfills um, into super stylish kind of everyday shoes for life on the go. Um, Amazing, amazing company. And uh, they're stylish. They're comfortable. We actually got a pair each for my fiance, for your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, They love them. They said super comfortable. Um, they have a bunch of like fun, playful designs. If you want to add some pops of color, uh, if you just want an everyday shoe, um, they have over 1000 nearly perfect reviews. So people love this product um, that I know they sell out all the time when they come out um, with new designs. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know what they're doing for the environment at the same time. Yeah. I was going to say, it's also just like a bonus that they're like kind of changing the world here. They're, you know, like you said, 35 million water bottles from landfills already. Um, you guys can check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash OPL. Um, again, that is rothys.com spelled R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash OPL to get your new favorite flats. Okay, girls, uh, comfort style, sustainability. Um, these are the shoes you've been waiting for. Again, that is rothys.com slash OPL. All right, so thank you to our sponsors. Uh, but yeah, now for our final thoughts. Honestly, my first reaction to the episode ending is I feel like a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel like I've never had sex before. You don't have now. any crazy stories? I've never been into a dungeon with a bukkake room, that's for sure. Yeah, never been stabbed. Yeah, honestly, all jokes aside, like the thing that I said earlier um, to him, it, it's wild when you think about it's encouraged to indulge in your addiction. Like when you have sex addiction, like to go cold turkey, um, you know, you could do that for sure. And I'm sure that some people do that, but then there's also, you know, people like him in his position where it's like, you know, I'd like to, I don't don't know if he wants to have kids, but if you want to have kids, obviously there's that. I mean, there's other ways around that, but like, you know, having sex with your partner is part of the relationship and mm-hmm. it's you know it's whatever it's an like you said part. it's it's an it's innate in humans to do that yeah you know so it's it's kind of wild because it's easy to be like yo stop doing fucking meth your teeth are falling out but it's not hard <laughs> but it's hard to be like you know this animalistic instinct that is built into your dna like don't do it yeah you know i think what's important and i i just i really liked how he touched on the fact that you know his his sex addiction was intertwined with depression you know like he i think he he spoke a lot about depression i think it's going to be really helpful um you know for anyone listening that even isn't a sex addict it seemed like him you know working on himself uh was able to help you know the sex addiction as well um because you know i think just him just by nature like being in a better place is he's just more self-aware now he's able to control it like you say he's not going to stop having sex but it's controlled he's making you know decisions based off of what he really wants and how he really feels um so uh, insane journey that he's been on yeah i mean yeah like you said i think it's it's i think it you know using his words i think it kind of does coincide with the depression because you know as uh, I've, i've never dealt with any clinical depression but I do know what it's like to be in the dumps, so to speak. And you look towards weird things for ways to get out of it or uh, quick fixes or, you know, you're putting a a Band-Aid over a giant wound, you know, and you think it helps, but it's not really helping. So it sounds like it makes it it fueled it or Mm -hmm. added fuel to to that fire already. Um, But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really – this is like – I love these doing these type of episodes where you get to hear about, you know, this – whole big journey of this like dark time and now it's like oh but I'm, I'm i'm on the road to recovery and I'm, I'm doing well now and i like where i'm at you know it's it's always good to to get that um at the, especially at the end of of these episodes so that was cool that was a really fun episode to do. yeah that guy's got a lot of life experience too yeah definitely also a magic dick i guess not get a thousand <laughs> people not getting an std who is this man no one uh, no pregnancy scares is this the second coming of jesus i knew you were gonna throw one out 
That wasn't bad though, right? No, I mean, it, you make it seem like Jesus was out here just like fucking people. Like, that would know. make more more sense, you know? I we don't know. Yeah, we don't. But no, I mean that that's honestly impressive. That number is out it's of big control. number, ridiculous. But those are Ric Flair numbers. Yeah, I just uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm just I'm glad he was kind of able to find you know some of the humor in it too. Um, yeah, I think that to me. I think shows just how like clear headed he sort of is now being able to, you know, tell those stories that in those moments, I mean, the shame and and the guilt, maybe even some of the embarrassment you must feel getting into those situations to be able to then get to a point where you're looking back and laughing. Yeah. Is I think, you know, crucial for kind of recovery and, and, and self-help. Right. And I also think that that's like a, a clear indicator of like, I'm fully aware and I'm like, you know, whatever. When you're able to joke about something, it's like, in, in my mind, you know, I could be wrong, obviously, but I feel like, okay, now I'm self-aware. I'm sort of over it to the point where I can see the humor in it. You know, that's mm -hmm. like a, an extra, a bonus step, yeah. if you will. Um, but yeah, that was that was really good. And I really do think that a lot of stuff that I said is going to help like a lot of people listening. Um, but yeah, for anyone else who has a story or anything they want to share um, anonymously, of course, you can hit us up on our website, oplshow.com. And there's a contact form there. Send it to us, uh, and we vet through all of them. And if it works for the show, we'll hit you up and schedule something out. Yeah, and uh, we're now posting clips from each episode on our Instagram, at OPL Podcast. So definitely check that out. And we have a Patreon if you guys you know can't get enough. We got some bonus episodes to hold you over, uh, and a lot of stuff coming out you know this season in between episodes where we're following up with guests we're answering your questions uh we're doing things like getting to know our listeners uh and being a patron you know really helps support the show it helps us grow it helps us be able to put out you know more episodes and keep keep this thing going so shout out to all the patrons uh and if you want to join it's patreon.com slash opl show yep and uh, that's it. Oh, leave a uh, rating and a review on iTunes. Yes, definitely. Thank you guys so much for all the support. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.